welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's word. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Constructionist Podcast. So let's get with building something. The other week, last week, actually, uh, just after the elections happened and all that, I've, I took my family to Williamstown, Kentucky, and we visited the Ark Encounter. Now, I don't know if you've ever visited the Ark Encounter. It is a life-size reproduction built out of wood of... The ark built, uh, it's a representation or a replication of the ark built by Noah in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. So when you get there to the ark encounter, uh, what you'll find is a 500 plus foot long ark that is quite a stunning structure. It almost has that sort of Phoenician feel to it of the sort of old uh, Phoenician sailing ships that you maybe see in old films and that kind of thing with the sort of tail fin on the back and then uh, and it's just big uh, it's really quite huge when you think about a 500 foot ship I actually lived on a ship for three years it was a non-profit medical relief ship uh, and it was only a hundred and some 200 feet long I think something like that I don't remember exactly uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this the the Noah's Ark that they built there was was huge, and when you walk through it, I'll give a little pitch for it. When you walk through it, they what they do they they do two things at the same time. First, they try to educate people on the feasibility of Noah's Ark, and so as you go through, you see uh, design possibilities of how animals were cared for, what kind of animals were on the ship. Uh, how they would have been looked after, how food would have been stored, uh, that kind of thing. So sort of the functionality of the ship, how air could have flowed, how they could have got light into it, what they would have done with waste products and that kind of thing. So uh, there's all of that involved in it, the sort of the science behind it. The ship was built to the dimensions, generally speaking, to the dimensions of uh, what the Bible says. And so they talk about the cubit and how big it was. They talk about how the ship would have been structured to withstand the waves and the wind and the rough seas. Uh, it talked about how uh, stable it would have been. And even the animals on the inside, they actually did research on extinct mammals, extinct land animals, and, and also modern-day land animals as well. I mean, you'll find uh, really nice models of, of a bear and... Uh, different animals inside the ark, but there's also ones that you've never seen in your life, and it's actually got the Latin name for these things based on the fossil record, uh, but imaginatively recreated for today with the fur and eye color and all that kind of thing. Um, but they go through the whole gamut of questions of well, what about how many animals? How would they have kept them? Uh, what, what was every species on the ark or only some of the species? And they explain all that. And so the other thing they do, the second thing they do is really talk about the moral state 
of the world and of population and how many people lived on the earth and what was happening at that time, which would necessitate this ark. Because really, when Noah built the ark, he did it in direct obedience to God. And he did it because, the, uh, as it says in Genesis chapter 6, the imaginations of men was only evil continually. And so God had to bring about a judgment on the human race. Otherwise, it would have destroyed itself. And so when you get there, you find this life-size ark built according to the historical record as found in the Bible. So let's talk for a minute about historical record in the Bible. Now, archaeology has been functioning now pretty jolly seriously for what, uh, 60, 70 years, something like that? I mean, maybe you can sort of date it from the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? So let's say 1948, 49, somewhere in there. That was when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And obviously archaeology had been going on before that, but the nation of Israel as a political entity did not get recreated until after World War II. And so they had the the, the Israeli War of Independence, uh, and then as a result of the War of Independence and recognition from the UN and enough nations devoted into political existence, then from 1948 onwards you have the, the current now nation of Israel, political nation of Israel. And so archaeology as a whole in the, in, the, on, in the nation of Israel really kicked off at that point with the Israeli Antiquities Agency or Department, whatever they call it, uh, which has done a huge amount of archaeological research. So if you want to watch the uh, video series uh, Drive Through History with Dave Stott, or you can watch, which uh, there's several of them. He does an American history, but he also does a biblical history one, and he does a Gospels as well. Uh, those series actually will look at specific sites around Israel, and he visits the sites. There's another one that's done uh, on uh, by Focus on the Family with Ray Vandalin. I think it's called That the People uh, That the World May Know. That also is a is an uh, a history of Israel, and he'll even go to Turkey and Greece and Egypt and these places. But he goes around Israel as well and looks at the actual historical archaeological uh, locations of what was taking place at the time, first century uh, A.D., first century B.C., and, and on back. So there are uh, good video series out there that take the Bible as historical, that take the Bible as uh, reliable. And so that's essentially what Answers in Genesis did with the Ark. They built the Ark. You go to AnswersInGenesis.org or ArkEncounter.org, uh, I suspect, and look up what they have going on. AnswersInGenesis.org is the main website you want to go to that explains the whole ministry uh, in its totality. But they are taking the historical reliability of scripture and building something that actually seems that that is reasonable and does make sense okay they talk about the ice age in that in the ark but they also give a moral history as well and so when they do that they talk about the state of humans so jesus says that humans uh the earth before he returns will be like what it was in the days of noah so Matthew 24, you can have a read of that. Read Matthew 24. And Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So in other words, when Jesus comes back, it will be a similar historical state 
morally as it was when the flood came in Noah's day. So what was the purpose of Noah's flood? The per- uh, sorry, the purpose of the ark was to provide salvation for those who were willing to enter it. And, and then all, obviously animals and all that to repopulate the earth afterwards. In other words, the flood then came as a judgment. So the judgment was on all of those who refused to acknowledge God and to live according to the standards uh, and the way in which God dictates. But the flood, so that the flood then killed the whole of the population of the earth that refused to be obedient to God. But at the same time, it provided salvation via the ark from the sin of all of humanity at that time. So Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So what we need to expect then is whatever the world was like in the days of Noah, which Jesus does indicate to a degree. He says they were marrying and giving in marriage, eating and drinking, things like that. So it implied a kind of, uh, and now with the rise of the uh, LGBT uh, demanding of marital rights, uh, not just in America, but also in Europe and, and uh, the Western world, this kind of thing is uh, marrying and giving in marriage, and also eating and drinking, a kind of living in a fleshly sort of physical demanding state. Now, when I say physical demanding, I don't mean like you're running five miles and it's physically demanding. I mean your physical, your your flesh, your, your, your body, your impulses are being demanding is what I'm saying. And so that is what is happening in the world around us today. And so what we find is that people are living in a state of wanting their physical urges to be satiated. We'll put it that way. And so what we what we ultimately can see is a sort of layers upon layers of problems that were taking place at that time, all stemming from a kind of sense of, I want to do what I want. I want to live my own life. And so just as in the days of Noah. Now, the Bible's history and AnswersInGenesis.org points this out, and it's essentially the, the, the statement being made by building a life-size historical, as much as we can understand, replica of the Ark and all that it entailed. The historicity of the Bible via archaeology, as I mentioned before, watch those video series as I mentioned, the historicity of the Bible has not been compromised. It's not been contradicted. So archaeology over the course of the last 60, 70 years has consistently demonstrated that that the Bible is accurate. Okay. So does that mean the Bible is accurate? Can it, can it then prove say the resurrection or, or the parting of the Red Sea or something like that? A miracle? No. Archaeology does not, um, cannot prove a miracle, but it can prove a a location in which a miracle took place. For instance, the pool of Bethesda in the gospel of John, where the guy was lying there and it says it has five porches, was only discovered fairly recently. Do the research on it. Look up the pool of Bethesda, find out when it was discovered and excavated and it's it's been demonstrated that that is the pool that John was talking about. It's it describes what John was talking about. And so, did a miracle take place that John describes in that location? 
Well, archaeology can't prove that, but it definitely proves that the pool was there. Okay, so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying that archaeology has has demonstrated over and over and over and over and over again the historicity that the Bible presents as being true. The history of the Bible is true. And so when you talk about uh, jumping from Noah's Ark or jumping from uh, some historical location mentioned in the Bible, Jericho or whatever, when you talk about these things to the miraculous, so for instance in Jericho, do your research. There was a time where they said, oh no, Jericho couldn't have fit what was happening, blah, blah, blah. But, but later research has discovered when they excavate a wider area that the walls of Jericho really were really big walls and they fell outward. Okay, so how do walls fall outward when you're being attacked from outside? Typically, battering rams and things like that make walls fall down and inwards. They don't typically fall outwards. So, you know, you have things like that that would indicate that what happened uh, at the Battle of Jericho really did, the walls really did fall down. Okay, and so it, it, it demonstrates that as much as we can know from what's left over, the Bible is accurate. All right. So, but we got to go deeper than that. If the historicity of the Bible is true, then certainly the moral, the morals, the moral, the spiritual history, sorry, the spiritual history of the Bible must also be true, or certainly it lends a huge amount of weight to the spiritual history of the Bible. In other words, the miracles that took place, the life of Jesus, the the resurrection of Jesus, the spread of the church, the lives that were changed as a result of the power of the gospel being presented, right? So that's what I'm trying to point out, and that's what I'm trying to say about the fact that the ark was rebuilt in Williamstown, Kentucky. Not, you know, we, we know what I mean, rebuilt. It was constructed in Williamstown, Kentucky. And if you go there and have a walk through it and see that they're using actual fossil evidence, actual fossils to recreate animals that were brought onto the ark, and they're actually talking about the Ice Age, and they're actually demonstrating from an archaeo- from a architectural perspective that the ark could have actually been built, it could have actually floated, it could have actually done the things that it did, then you need to, and then also uh, pick up the book that they have on sale there, Flood of Evidence, that talks about the flood and the, the geological features of the earth today and how the flood could have actually happened and that there really are fossils all over the earth and there really are petrified forests all over the earth and there really is a possibility that there was a worldwide flood and that flood destroyed everything and all life on it save those who were in the ark okay then you can do some research that was done around mount st helens and discover that canyons really can massive canyons can form that that look just like the grand canyon in a matter of days and weeks after a catastrophic event like the mount st helens eruptions uh, that things can come back, that it's only the events around the flood that can produce an ice age with warm oceans due to volcanic activity, heating up uh, the oceans to create, but then a cold atmosphere because of the volcanic activity, i.e., for instance, after Mount St. Helens with a massive eruption that took place and the dust cloud and all that, that lowered temperatures. You know, the cold air with warm water going up produces snow, i.e., ice age. These kind of things are all 
things that are possible within the uh, model that the Bible presents. And so when we look at all that, we have to think, well, okay, is the actual spiritual history, is the moral climate also along the same lines? And so you talk about layers of, of issues uh, layers of problems that were in existence. So just look at the recent presidential debates that have taken place. They talked about health care issues. They talked about economic issues. They talked about social justice issues. They talked about gender issues. They talked about sanctity of life issues. All of these things are moral issues. Uh, maybe not. Well, even the economy can be considered moral because you have to have... Uh, um, honesty in running a business, okay? So, and healthcare issues in that, in one sense, are moral issues as well, because a, a, a bad lifestyle can create a bad healthy, a bad health, bad health, put it that way. So, all of these things typically point to sin, which is man's biggest problem. This is man's uh, rebellion against God, is what sin is. And so sin came in as a result of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. It culminated in the days of Noah that forced God in one sense as a just God to, to bring about a flood. And then as a result, um, you have the ark and all that and Noah's family being saved from it. But it's slowly built back up and slowly built back up. And so today, when we look around the world, we see this kind of growing immorality all over again. It's slowly building back up. And then what happens is, is that you have to have a judgment come, just like it did in the days of the flood. So the Bible addresses and gives a solution to all of these things I just mentioned. Uh, you know, the health issues of man's sickness and death, uh, economic issues that, that impede man's lifestyle or whatever, or, or ability to look after himself and provide for himself. Social justice issues, as we see with Black Lives Matter and, and the racial issues and things like that, which I'll probably talk more on racial issues later, because I've been listening to a fascinating series on genetics and things like that. Uh, but, but then also gender issues and sanctity of life issues when we talk about the LGBT and all that, as well as uh, the abortion issues and uh, pro-life and pro-choice and that kind of thing. All of these things are addressed in the Bible, and the Bible gives solutions to everyone. So it, so much of it revolves around sin and selfishness and rebellion against God, and yet the Bible makes it very clear, just like Noah's Ark was the only means of salvation for Noah and his family, and, and ultimately all of us sitting here today as descendants of Noah's uh, family, the God provides a solution in the person of Jesus Christ where we can turn to him in faith that his life and his death and his resurrection provides a means of salvation for us. And God actually, the Bible actually says God takes away our old heart and gives us a new heart. And when the new heart is acquired, all of a sudden you have new life. And so then a lot of these issues that I just mentioned that brought about the flood in the first time and will bring about future judgment go away and you become a transformed person with a new life. Now you're living according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and you're functioning with a fruitfulness of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness 
and self-control. And so uh, isn't that the kind of life you want to live? Do you want to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? You know, this is what we're building on the Constructionist Podcast. So God bless you. Check out AnswersInGenesis.org. And I highly encourage you, if you're ever in the Williamstown, Kentucky, Cincinnati area, to visit the Ark. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. That's CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.